Good morning, friends. So this is the end of a really glorious week. I want to thank you all for coming and thank those also who joined us online. We were connecting with people from all around the world. A week like the one that we've just had sends a great beam of light and consciousness into the world. And we really have done our part in trying to uplift ourselves and uplift the world this week. I'll read now from Rays of the One Light, which are commentaries uh, on parallel passages from the Bible and Bhagavad Gita. This is abiding in God. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. Yogananda often emphasized, more often to his disciples than to the general public, but also to everyone generally, for it was a universal teaching, the importance of attunement. For divine understanding cannot be created, it must be perceived. To the disciples, Yogananda spoke of the importance of attunement with the guru. To others, he urged the importance at least of attuning oneself to higher consciousness. Can an eagle rise without support from the sustaining air? Jesus Christ said in the Gospel of St. John, chapter 15, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same will bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. If man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. How can we abide in him? Jesus says, if my words abide in you, by words, he meant not only his spoken words, but his vibrations, his consciousness, of which words are only an expression. We must abide by the teachings, but we must also absorb those teachings into ourselves, that they become our own experience. For disciples of this path, the more in their hearts they live consciously in the presence of the masters, the more they will find the divine presence living within them. And for all truth seekers, whether disciples or not, the more they live, live sustained inwardly by the awareness of God's presence, the higher they will find themselves 
soaring in wisdom and joy. For the Bhagavad Gita says in the 10th chapter, I am the source of everything. From me, all creation emerges. Blessed with this realization, the wise, awe-stricken, adore me. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Good morning again. And I just, though we've said it before, I feel I would be remiss in not thanking everyone who helped create this magnificent week. And the play last night was just an incredible experience for all of us. And um, I want to thank also all of you uh, who have been with us throughout the week or part of the week or just came today. It's, it was, I have to say this sincerely, it was one of the deepest weeks we've ever had for Spiritual Renewal Week. And in large part, it was because your deep, sincere desire to draw God's presence and blessings into your life. Someone was teasing me yesterday saying, when does Spiritual Renewal Week really end? You said it ended there, and then there, and then there, and there. And then I thought about it. And also, it doesn't end after Sunday service because the children are going to be performing a little concert up on the piazza during lunch. But then I realized Spiritual Renewal Week never ends. It's a state of mind. And so it doesn't have to end wherever, when the speaking stops. So <clears throat> I'll begin by reading this beautiful prayer demand from Whispers from Eternity, very fitting for our week and for our topic today. In the temple of united hearts, it befits not thy lily tender feet to dance on the stony soil of hard hearts. On the petals of my sympathy for others, may thy tenderness dance forever. Divine Mother, may I feel thy heart throbs in my own heart, thy joy in my happiness, thy wise direction in all my activity, thy spirit in my soul. Divine Mother, I lay all the flowers of my love at thy feet of eternity. Oh, open wide the flowers of my budding devotion and release thy fragrance that it spread from my soul to the souls of others, ever whispering of thee. I pray to behold my love reflected in others. In the light of that greater love, may, may I behold thine unveiled face of perfect compassion. May I behold my true self in others, that I perceive thee ever enthroned in our united hearts. At the heart of my whispered prayers, 
I feel stirring thy silent whispers. In the light of my burning candle of devotion, I behold at last thy sacred blaze of perfect love. O Divine Mother, unite our hearts as one heart, so that on the sacred altar of united hearts, we may find thine omnipresence enthroned forever. So the reading from the Bible and the Gita today is very much aligned with what we've been talking about all week, uplifting ourselves and helping to uplift the world. But how do we abide in God? We've talked about it in many different ways this week, through meditation and Kriya Yoga, through living with God in our hearts and minds throughout our daily actions, through feeling the inner energy, and through attunement with the guru. All of these things help us to abide in God. But in that passage from the Bible, Christ said, if you abide in me, and the Lord is saying, and I in you, then all things can be done. Because then, as Swami Jaya said so beautifully, seeing God as the doer isn't just an affirmation. It's an awareness that in and of ourselves, we're totally unimportant. Someone was saying yesterday, Lakshmi, totally unimportant. But God, through us, can do many things. And that's what abiding in God does. It's that awareness that in little ways and big ways, in the office, in the med medical ward, in the garden, wherever we may be, behind a computer, in a classroom, in big and little ways, that flow of grace can always be with us. But then there's a cautionary statement in the passage from the Bible where Christ says, if you don't abide in me, bye Jai. He was, he was with us during the meditation. It was so sweet. If you don't abide in me, then it will be like your cast, your branches will be trimmed and cast into the flame, meaning that the potential for God's life force and consciousness to flow through you will be stopped. And it's a truth that I've observed in my lifetime. If someone is striving for higher principles, striving for truth, and then they say, oh, I'm not so sure. I think I'm going back to my old way of life. You see a very subtle diminishing in their energy field and their consciousness. And it's as though a portal onto their higher self begins to close down. And we all need to be aware of this because it isn't just I'm leaving the path and denouncing all this, but it's those little parts of our mind that say, I don't really have to do this. This is a, just a little bit, the bar is too high. I'm gonna lower the bar a little bit. You know, on the spiritual path, 
unfortunately, wish it were different, but it's not. We don't have the option of lowering the bar. <laughs> the bar only goes in one direction, and that's up and up and up. Does that mean it's struggle? No, no, no. It means that our energy wants to rise that way. But be mindful. Be mindful of those parts of yourself that say, I'll take this much of it, but not that. And those, the part that you say, not that, that's usually the area where you're going to find liberation. <laughs> but then, finally, and this is the most beautiful part in this passage from the Bible, Christ says, when you abide in me, much can be done. And by your fruits, people will know you are my disciples. So in other words, it's what we've been talking about all week. By doing what we can to attune ourselves to God and sharing that light, even if you're in a, a little cell in a monastery, if that's your consciousness, you know, in, a season, in uh, Florence, Italy, there's a beautiful monastery that uh, the great medieval monk and saint Fra Angelico used to live in. And now it's more of a museum. And you can go in there. And he was an artist. And he painted just the most simple, radiant murals on the walls of each of the little cells in that monastery. And you go in there, and it, it's just, you realize, oh, there was a little monk that lived here six, 400 years ago. And he lived in that little cell, and he looked at that beautiful image of Christ, and he probably never left. But you could feel the sanctity still in that room. And so to by their fruits, you will see that they are my disciples. And one of the last talks that Swami Kriyananda gave here at Ananda Village, then he went on to India and Italy, and he left the body in Italy. And I believe it was his birthday. It was in the, we didn't have this temple yet. It was in that temp, the teaching temple. and. We have a beautiful video of it. And he was reminiscing about his life. And he said, I've done many things in service to God and Guru in this lifetime. But the thing that I'm most proud of is all of you. And it wasn't like a parent is proud that a child gets good grades or whatever. He was proud because he saw we were trying to live with God and in God. And he was happy, because that was one of the goals of his life, was to help people dedicate their lives to God. And he, had, he saw that we all were able to do that, or at least we were trying. One of my, we'll keep our talk rather short this morning, because we have several surprises for you during service. But one of my favorite passages from Swami Kriyananda's autobiography, The New Path, I'll read it in a bit. But it's in the chapter talking about Master's passing, one of the last chapters. And he starts off talking about the creation of the universe. And he said, scientists determine 
that the physical universe is manifested in this way. Maybe there's a little random atom floating in infinite space. And the next atom may be, I don't know where scientists get this, but 17 miles away. I don't know how they measure. <laughs> OK, let's get out the GPS and 17 miles to the next atom. But anyway, that's what they say. So 17 miles away. And then just as though by randomness, but I doubt that it's really random, they come into a maybe two molecules start to associate with each other. And they create a little more of a magnetic vortex. And maybe they draw a third and a fourth and more and more until the magnetic field of all those atoms can extend for millions of miles. And then they start to draw in gases. And there's an implosion. And a star is born, like our sun, like the suns that illuminate all the solar systems in all of creation. And then I'm going to read that from this passage, because he goes on. He, he begins by that description. And in case you want to read this yourself, it's in the chapter, His Last Days. The soul, similarly, in its gradual progress toward divine wisdom, develops the gravitational power by which it attracts and holds the understanding it needs for enlightenment, until at last, in the firmament of living beings, it becomes a veritable star. In the same way, the soul develops the gravitational pull to form meaningful and lasting relationships with other souls. Gradually, in its outer life, it and others with whom it is spiritually compatible form great families of souls that return to Earth or to other planets to work out their salvation, not only inwardly on themselves, but by interaction with one another. To achieve divine emancipation, it is necessary to spiritualize one's relationships with the objective world and with other human beings, as well as with God. The stronger the family, spiritually speaking, the greater its attractive pull on new souls that may still be wandering in search of an identity of their own. A family evolves with its individual members. At last, it too becomes a star in the firmament of humanity and begins to produce great souls of self-realization. As spiritual stars, such great families become powerful for the general upliftment of mankind. Like stars, too, they then draw planets of less evolved families into their beneficial auras, vitalizing them with, divine, with rays of divine truth. Such families are like mighty nations, guiding the human race to, with their subtle divine influence. Yoganandas is one such spiritual family his forms part of a greater spiritual nation of which Jesus Christ and Sri Krishna 
in the sage Babaji are also leaders. Yogananda, like William the Conqueror at Hastings, came to America to establish a beachhead. And you know Master said he was William the Conqueror. Not in this case of worldly conquest, but of divine communion. Many have been born and are being born in the West to assist him in this mission. Many others are being attracted to it for the first time by the radiant magnetic influence, the spiritual gravitational field it has created. This is what we're doing with our lives, even though we may not have been aware of it. We come together one by one. Oh, that's a nice person, as Jai was saying when he first saw Swami Kirinanda. I like that man. We don't know what's really going on. But little by little, the magnetism of that divine friendship, of that com compatible spiritual uh, dedication, it draws us to one another, lasting for a lifetime, these friendships. Many, many lifetimes, not just one. And we recognize each other. And we say, let's continue. Let's keep going on this race till we cross the finish line. And as we move this great, mighty, spiritual nation forward, others are drawn. And it begins to change everything. When we were giving our presentation for our master plan before the county board of supervisors to get permission to build out. This was about five years ago. Atman and Badri and others really headed up that mission. Before the board of supervisors, the, the local county officials, who are not spiritually based people by and large, good people, but they said, if all of a Nevada County were like Ananda, we wouldn't have problems of crime, of fire problems, because we've done so much to protect the area. This is a great, mighty nation that Master is creating, and we are all a part of it. And rather than think of it as a huge burden, Think of it as a joyous gift. When we came to Ananda, each of you, and you know, last night at the peace treaty, it was so marvelous because it echoed our themes. But there were people in that play from almost every one of our communities, and also in America, and also from India. They did most of their rehearsing on Zoom so that they could perform for us. But there are no boundaries. And we are all helping joyously, freely, willingly to give our life to God. And in that beautiful gift, in that movement of energy, a great light comes forth. And as I said, we have some nice surprises for you. And I'll end here and then we'll have our offering. And then we're going to ordain six new people, all, many of whom, most of whom spoke throughout the week. 
as light bearers and ministers, because this is the movement. It doesn't end with my generation. It ends with the beautiful souls that are coming up and saying, this is my nation. I am a member of Ananda, and I will spread this great work throughout the world to the full extent of my ability. So blessings to you all, and thank you for what you have given in your life as individuals, as members of Ananda throughout the world, online, in person. And let us, when we hear, the, just as in the peace treaty, the nations, the clans clashing with each other, remember, it is through the hearts of pure souls that peace is brought on earth. And let us do our best to bring that to a reality. So God bless you. Thy joy fill our days. O Master, may thy wisdom guide our ways. The time has come for us to see that there's but one reality upon the earth and high above. The truth that all was made from love. A love that calls to us to fly above the hills, above the sky, above the storms, above the pain, a land where peace and laughter reign. May thy joy fill our days. O oh, Master, may thy wisdom guide our ways. Guide all our hopes and all our dreams, past every glow that only seems into the light. truth that we're all one. Help us to find in every hour, in every thought, in every flower, a joy that spans eternity, the truth that makes us ever
every glow that only seems into the light the inner sun into the truth that we're all one help us to find in every hour in every thought in every flower a joy that spans eternity that makes us ever free. Oh, Master, may thy joy fill our days. Oh, Master, may thy wisdom guide our way.